0: Apple presents events at the Apple Store. All right, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome this afternoon's guest moderator, Aaron Hillis of Video Free Brooklyn. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Wow, I can't believe uh, how many of you came out here just to see me. That's very, very, very nice of you. Uh, Well, obviously, uh, we're all here for uh, Ryan Gosling's directorial debut, Lost River. And before we bring out the man himself, thought we'd take a look at a trailer.
1: What sort of work do you do? Well, that doesn't sound promising. Do you have a plan?
0: I'd like to just pay the three months and keep the house and stay in the house.
1: Do you mind if I ask why?
0: Because I have two boys, and that is our home. And, and I grew up in that home, and that is our home.
1: I can make a note for you, right? I can write a fucking novel. But at the end of the day, you're gonna have to come up with some of this. Now, I don't know what you can do, what you're willing to do. And you're a very beautiful lady. And I don't care what you do. I'm not what I do. It's not who I am. Everyone's got to do the shimmy shimmy yacht. The wolves if they're not already at your door, they're gonna be there very fucking soon Job.
0: Where is that? Well, it's
1: closer and somewhere over the rainbow. Let's put it that way. I think you'll like it.
0: As you can see, it's a romantic comedy. Uh, very happy to bring on out here, writer-director Ryan Gosling. You know, thank you very much. How many of you were at the uh, screening last night? Just curiously,
2: a few people. Cool. cool. No one. All right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Great. You know, this uh, seeing this like alternate. Uh, very not safe for work trailer uh, it's darker I like that it doesn't really give too much away and you know I, I like like for those who haven't yet seen the movie if you can talk about what this dark fairy tale is is all about
2: um, <clears throat> well it's sort of so I had an opportunity to work in Detroit and I'm from Canada so let's just get that out of the way right now and I I guess growing up in Canada, you know, Detroit was far enough away that I never got there, but it was close enough that I I, I, I had like a, I guess like a crush on it or something. I, it just seemed like everything cool came from Detroit, you know, uh, like Eminem and uh, the Model T and, you know, Motor City, the, just the whole like iconic idea of the American dream. And when I got there which was a few years ago. It's very different now. There's, uh, they were declaring bankruptcy. It's like 40 miles of abandoned buildings. A lot of, you know, houses burning, being torn down, turning off the power to the streetlights. And within within these empty neighborhoods, occasionally there's a family trying to hold on to their home. And it seemed that, you know, like the the dream had turned into a nightmare for these people. So, I thought I'd like to try and make a film about that. Um, and then, and then I thought this sort of fairy tale approach might be the best way to just make it more accessible to everyone because it feels like uh, you know it's, there's lost rivers everywhere, not just in Detroit, and that's sort of what's happening to them is is um, is something that that uh, is specific to there, but also something that I wanted sort of everybody to be able to relate to. So we we sort of gave it this fairy tale tone and that's how the movie sort of began.
0: You uh, talked last night to that, you basically just started roaming with a red camera and, and basically started making a movie before you even knew you were going to be making a movie. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the creative itches that directing scratched for you that uh, you don't ordinarily get working in film as an actor.
2: Well, <clears throat> yeah, that's sort of how it started that like, well, there were, it started with there were these Brewster projects, which are the projects where um, uh, the, they call them the Motown projects, where uh, the Supremes grew up, and they just have a great music history. And they're about to be torn down. And I thought, oh, I, and they're just. I thought I wanted to film them, so I got a red camera. I started shooting them. And then there was um, there's more. Like I heard about the pa- like the Palace Theater, which is where the Stooges first played, and that that was going to be torn down. And I just so. I started filming and then after a year I realized, well, I guess I'm shooting footage for a movie and, uh, you know, I guess I'm making a movie. This is lonely. I should get some people here. <laughs> and uh, so I sort of wrote the script and then I got the actors and then eventually we were we were shooting, uh, you know, not on the red anymore on film and it was like an actual film. But um, I guess some of the itches that it scratched were... Um, I guess it was like an opportunity to to try some things out, you know, that you don't always get to try on uh, on every film. Like, for instance, you know, there's something very, like, surreal about what's happening there, but at the same time it's also very real, and I wanted to try and make a film that, like, incorporated both of those elements. So part of what we tried to do was give it a heightened reality and a fairy tale tone, but also incorporate people from the neighborhoods uh, to give it that sort of... um, like to bring the reality into the into the fantasy, and uh, that was sort of the most fun. It was like sort of working with the non actors and the actors and trying to balance those uh, those tones.
0: How much uh, I mean some of my favorite sequences are, are the ones that have have locals just kind of roaming in there and you, you really feel it it has it has a different different kind of energy uh, right. when there's when there's non-professionals uh, mixing with actors. Um, how How much of it was made? Uh, in the moment? How much did you rely on uh, just the, the exploration of, of happy accidents and just kind of playing in this environment?
2: I feel like it was kind of a about ba- ba- like a healthy balance of both you know. Um, we always tried to be open to what was going on you know for instance if there was something ha- like one of my favorite scenes in the movie is a scene with Matt Smith and this lady at a gas station and what it was sort of like you know, this gas station was the only gas station for, for like 10 blocks where we were shooting. And I think they were selling something else at the gas station, you know, that like, like people really wanted, you know, and, uh, and they didn't care that we were making a movie. They just, you know, like had to get it. And so there was a real tension, you know, because we were trying to shoot this film and people were really sort of uh, upset that we were there. And at a certain point, we thought, oh, just, like, let him in the scene, you know? And and so what happened was they started sort of interacting with the actors, and the actors were so... Matt, I think, did the this amazing job of pulling this one woman whose name is Mama A into the scene, and they started dancing together, and it had this really, you know, it it, it was it was literally like the, the, the fantasy and the reality were sort of dancing with one another, you know, so it felt like the kind of highlight of what we were we were, we were trying to do.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, did anybody participate in the, the Twitter conversation with Ryan earlier today? we looking at Twitter. Uh, this is from Sandra Swan Queen, at Sandra Swan, Swan Queen asked what scene was the most difficult?
2: Okay well it was the mo- it was scenes and they were the most difficult but they also ended up being sort of, again, some of my favorite scenes, which was that the kid that we hired in our movie, this kid, Landon, who plays the little boy in the film, turns out he doesn't like the camera, and he would get very upset and run away from it when he saw it, which makes it, you know, difficult when you're trying to film the scene. (laughs) But I I loved him, he's such a special kid, and we thought, like, how do we, so I remember seeing uh, on the making of the Animal Planet, how when they, like, guys would wait for months just to get a shot of the bird coming out of the nest, and I thought that's a long time to wait for a bird to come out of a nest, you know. But when you see that shot, you're like, God damn, that's a beautiful shot of that that bird <laughs> coming out of the nest. So we adopted those tactics in a way. We sort of like put on long lenses and hid in the bushes. And uh, at one point, we hid under some laundry in the, in his room, and you know, so it, so we didn't make him nervous. You know, he was able to be natural and. And we ended up getting some of the most, you know, some of my favorite stuff in the film. He's just, it was kind of like what I heard it was like to work with Marlon Brando on Apocalypse Now, you know? <laughs> that he would just come in and do what he was going to do and then leave. So we called Landon Marlon. But, uh, so that was difficult, but in the end it was like we took it as an opportunity. And, uh, and, and in the end it was like, uh, I, I feel like I'm so glad that, that we did it. He was, he's amazing in the film.
0: It's good to know, too, that you can use Animal Planet for, like, parenting tips down the road, too, (laughs) if need be. Uh, Well, speaking of uh, scenes, I think we're going to watch a clip from Lost River. I'm actually not interested in the buyout. I'd like to just pay the three months and keep the house and stay in the house.
1: Do you mind if I ask why?
0: Because I have two boys, and that is our home. and and I grew up in that home, and that is our home.
1: Look, I can make a note for you, right? I can write a novel, but at the end of the day, you're gonna have to come up with some of this. Okay. Now, I don't know what you can do, but you wanna have a think about that very seriously, what you can do, what you're willing to do. And you're a very beautiful lady, and I don't care what you do, I'm not what I do.
0: Very good. Oh man, Ben Mendelsohn is so, such a deviant in this film. He's so, uh, so much fun to watch. I mean, they're all really fun to watch. Uh, you know, we, t- we talked last night about, about how exciting it is when, a, when an actor becomes a filmmaker, because you know that they're going to already know what that experience is like on the other side of the camera. But I was wondering if we could talk maybe more practically about things that you've gleaned from other movie sets, and how you were able to approach your actors to be able to get what you needed.
2: Well, you know, one thing that I got from other movie sets was like this experience of working with some of these actors. Like for instance I got to work with Mendelssohn on a film called The Place Beyond the Pines. And you know, he would come to set with a boombox playing Run-D.M.C. and singing it like he was Al Jolson. And it was like, you know, and then he put it down and do the scene, but there was this whole other side of him, this kind of like song and dance man, you know, and so I thought I, I kind of dog-eared it when we were working together and I thought like, if I ever make a film I want to, I'd love to, you know, like write something for him where he could be a terrifying song and dance band, you know. Or, for instance, I, I almost worked with Sir Ronan on a film or, you know, I got a chance to like rehearse with her or I worked with Christina Hendricks, so, you know, or like a lot of my crew came, came from other film sets like, uh, you know, my first AD, my production designer. Um, my uh, costume designer. We all did a film called Half Nelson together, and so and we've since made like five or six movies, you know? So it was, they were all people, you know, I kind of felt like a, a, um, George Clooney in Ocean's Eleven, where I got to pick, you know, like my my special team, and everyone was like a, special, a specialist in their field. But, you know, they also were all friends, I trusted them, you know, it was a very small movie set, very like familial, like, Family, homemade thing. So, and in my experience, that's kind of where you you get the best results in a, in the final product, anyways. If you sort of make things that way. Well, within that dream team,
0: uh, I was wondering if you could talk some about the about the aesthetics of it. I mean, this is a very visually arresting film. It's very dark. Obviously, there's some there's some really macabre imagery in it as well. Uh, you know, from script to screen, uh, how did you approach all of that?
2: Well, I guess I kind of wanted to. Uh, you know, uh, well, like when I first sent the script to my composer, he, uh, he, a few hours later, he texted me and he said, Dark Goonies, cool. And I was like, okay, good, he, he gets it. You know, and I think that like Goonies and uh, those early Amblin movies, just like the whole 80s sensibility of films that I grew up on, like, like, you won't see Howard the Duck as a direct reference in the movie, but I mean, there was something very experimental. Do you like Howard the Duck? It's inc- I mean, it's haunting. Awesome. Um, you know like our batteries not included or gremlins or whatever there was something happening then when I first started watching movies you know there was something very kind of like experimental and all of that and and so I wanted them to I wanted the film to have that sensibility uh, and Secret of Nim was a big influence and so my storyboard artist was actually one of the animators on Secret of Nim. and um, I also was a big fan of Benoit Debi Uh, He's one of my favorite cinematographers. You know, we shot on film. We shot all natural light. Um, We shot with really fast lenses. So, like for instance, if a scene was lit by a TV, it was just really lit by the television. Because we wanted the film to be dark. and We wanted to find a way to sort of capture what was naturally beautiful about the environment. But also, you know, not try and affect it too much.
0: I think we have another question here from the Twitter conversation earlier. This is from at Ryan Gosling Love, L-U-V. I had to use L-U-V because L-O-V-E was already taken. No, this says' not me. Hello, Ryan. That's my, my qu- Twitter account, actually, so just, sorry Hello, about that. Ryan. My question is simple. Why the name Belladonna? It's the name of a toxic plant. Thanks.
2: Well, simple. It's because it's the name of a toxic plant. And uh, Barbara Steele, who plays Belladonna in the film, the great, Barbara Steele. She named herself, so I wasn't going to argue with her. <laughs> That's
0: incredible. Um, the uh, when, when you're when you're when you're going into battle, as, as Samuel Fuller, uh, you know, would say about filmmaking, there's just no way to know, uh, you know, what's going to happen, what obstacles, speed bumps are going to to come up. Uh, was there anything that ever felt disastrous or near disastrous that uh, you were able to overcome?
2: Um, trying to think I mean you know we had a really charmed experience in Detroit you know obviously the neighbors we neighborhoods we were in were not you know conducive for shooting and a lot of things could have gone sideways but they didn't you know but I think I think more than anything I mean and it, look and, and and this is a um, one aspect of Detroit that we're showing you know but the, the the amazing thing about Detroit is that it's also going through this rebirth and this reinvention, and there's an incredible energy there, and there's like great talent, and, and so many, you know, like amazing other locations. And I feel like, I don't know, at the same time as we were sort of like taking risks by shooting in the places we were, we were also really supported by, by the film community out there. So, so it felt like, you know, th- you know, things could have gone sideways, but they didn't because we had a great like, infras- team around us. It's very,
0: it's very common uh, for, for people to want to compare something to, to something else, you know? This film looks like it's got this style or, or whatnot. But I was wondering if you could talk about some of your creative influences outside of film, if any.
2: Um, well, I mean, again, I feel like the, uh, uh, you know, the people that really influence your movie at the end of the day are the, the people you're working with, you know? So like, music was a big influence on this film, you know? When I was going around Detroit and, and shooting on my own f- over the course of that year, I was listening to a lot of Johnny Jewel's music. And so, you know, that, that affected how I was shooting and just the tone of, you know, of, of what I was doing, and it became sort of cooked into the image from the beginning, you know. Um, I think, you know, working, like Benoit's work is really inspiring to me, so to get to make this movie with him was like a big, a big thrill, but... Um, so I don't know, those, those, were, those, those were influences, you know? Uh, when working with, with an ensemble,
0: uh, you obviously you already told the story about working with a, with a child actor who didn't like the camera, uh, but did you have to use uh, any different styles to be able to talk to different actors, even if you had worked with them previously?
2: Like different styles of directing? Sure. Not really, because the truth is that I hired everyone because I I admire them and I trust them, and so for me it wasn't like, directing them as much as it was letting them, you know, fill in the characters and sort of tell me what they would and wouldn't do. I mean, I was there if they wanted to talk about something, but I'm, I'm more I feel like my job was to sort of create an environment and a space for them to sort of do their thing, you know? It's like, for instance, and I feel like that really, that worked for us, you know? Like like Mendelssohn, you know, there's an amazing scene at the end where he has this crazy, terrifying dance attack. and I didn't know what he was going to do, but I just sort of knew that with the space he would do something. And so he said, "Look, just set up the camera, and 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 and, and, and I'm going to do my thing." And he came in and he put down his iPad and he put Kendrick Lamar's "Bad Bitches," <laughs> and he started to uh, do this terrifying dance routine that was like nothing I could have written, you know. And so in that case, it's like you're you're glad you're not like trying to over direct. Uh,
0: Last night I had asked you like what you would learn from this going forward because you said you would like to make more films. Uh, but more important, what did you learn not to do? Did you have any uh, rookie mistakes that you know you won't you won't do again?
2: I mean, there's tons of them. You know, I don't want to highlight them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're obvious. You know, it's you don't know how to make a film until you make a film. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the that's the the hard part of your first film is that you're sort of you're learning as you go. But. You, you immediately, once you finish, just can't wait to get back in there and start sort of applying all the, all the things that you learned. Come on, you
0: can, you can mention something that was, that was maybe hard. I mean, you, you did it. You made, you made a finished film. I mean, yeah. that's, that's more than most can say. I mean, uh, was, was there anything that, like, you can say, okay, I overcame that, but you may not have known going into it?
2: Um, can you give me an example?
0: I don't know, just something that um, when you're not sitting in the director's chair, when you only see right. it from, you know, the other side of the camera, you may not know that a director has to do X, Y, and Z. Where were there any of those things that Well, I
2: was surprised that there's so much acting involved in directing, you know. I mean I was glad to have been an actor before because, you know, you're constantly acting like there's not a problem, but there's always a problem, you know. <laughs> Everything's always going wrong and you're always acting like it's fine and it's a part of the plan. So I think an acting background is good, and that that was surprising. Uh,
0: for those who haven't seen the film, I, one of my favorite set pieces uh, is this is this club, this very very morbid club. That's where you see Christina Hendricks uh, tearing off her skin. Uh, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that, especially for those who haven't seen the movie and see what they're getting themselves into.
2: Um, that's a club that's sort of based on the Grand Gagnon, which is a um, was really like the birth of of horror and splatter cinema. You know, it was theater, but it was a place in the 20s in Paris where they would put on these murder shows, these hyper realistic sort of torture and murder shows, and and there was a whole scene at that time, like the Hell Cafe and the and the Death Tavern, and this really macabre, dark murder entertainment scene, and so we use that a lot a lot of that is inspiration the, the facade of the club that's on the posters is, is like is 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 like based on the the front of the hell cafe mm
0: mm-hmm. uh, writing uh, you, you know you already started shooting so you you kinda had a, a a feel for you know you had your like your 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 lookbook uh, in in real time uh, but sitting down to actually write a script with how how was that for you did it come naturally did you bang your head against the wall somewhere in between
2: yeah it's lonely you know and uh... you know but the thing that you're hoping is that you know i guess i had been there f- over the course of the year and i knew set pieces that i wanted to use like for instance uh... like i shot one. the opening shot of the movie is this kind of a pan down from the ceiling to reveal this this like dilapidated theater and that's the palace theater i think where where uh... i think it's called the palace but that that was a the theater where um, you know the stooges first played and i knew that i wanted to someday go back and finish that shot where where the lead character would appear out of the hole in the stage you know and uh, which is another thing i learned from being there that like a way that some people make money is they go around these empty buildings and they take all the copper and they strip these buildings of their of the metal and sell it so i knew i wanted my lead character to do that and i knew that i wanted him to come out of that stage and that's how i wanted to meet him so so then uh... and we did a year later we shot the there's a year between those two shots in the movie, you know, but uh, so those sort of things inform the writing process. You know, it was good I thought to to be there and to uh, be in the environments and and be able to write for specific locations, but also because I knew that some of them were going to be torn down, so we wanted to hustle and we wanted to shoot in them before they were gone what were you looking for in,
0: in the location scouting I mean this is a very different side of Detroit than I'm, I'm used to seeing in movies I mean I, I feel like the uh, you know the post industrial squalor is, is certainly has a poetry to it but there's still all this uh, the, the the green the overrun greenery and, and whatnot I mean what were what were some of the things that you that really uh, attracted you to, to want to put them on film
2: Well I think it was like, we wanted to find places that had a, that had history, you know. Even if we weren't going to sort of reveal that history in the movie, but that like, you could feel that maybe, you know. For instance, like the movie also kind of starts with a guy named Skip, who, um, who is really like a, a real version of what this movie's about, which is that he grew up on this street. He's now in his fifties, I think, and he's the only one left for 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 blocks, you know. And he sort of wanders around in the street in a kind of a daze. You know, he feels like he—it's for him—he f- he feels like it's, you know, uh... he's in some kind of Twilight Zone episode or something. You know, and being a kid was just yesterday, and he can—he can tell you about, you know, everything that the way things used to be, you know, and who used to live there and what used to happen here. And when he's doing it, it almost becomes real. And there's like a, a weird a daze that he gets, that they get into when they talk about their you know their neighborhoods and we wanted to try and capture that feeling you know so so we were looking for locations like that for people like that for people that could kind of um um you know uh, you know also remember the way that they were you know so it wasn't just specifically like the um, the buildings it was also just like finding connections to those buildings Do, uh, was there anything that to you shot that you uh, were sad to
0: see not make it into the final film, like any, anything that just did, didn't work in the cohesive whole?
2: Misty and Holly. There were these two girls that were walking by when we were shooting and they were talking about their cat, Sagwa. He had just had babies. She had just had babies. And they were incredible and I, and I asked them to be in the movie and they did this amazing scene where they talked about Sagwa. And then we met our lead character. It was another op- way to, to meet him. and. Uh, for the fifteen cuts, we tried to have them in the film, but at the end of the day, it just didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It was We had to focus on the story, you know. But there were so many great people that we met that we tried to incorporate, you know, that that were just, you know, just we couldn't. Just didn't make the final cut, but that hurt.
0: You mentioned that this is, that, that you, you, got, you got the band together, all your friends were working on this, people you've collaborated with. Uh, can you maybe talk about some of the, some of the, the unsung heroes we haven't talked about? Uh,
2: I really like the music, for instance, oh, in yeah. the film. Thanks, yeah, Johnny Jewell. Um, you know, I had, um, I had a kind of Kaiser Sose moment with him. I felt like Chaz Terry and I realized that he was behind all these bands that I loved and, uh, you know, kind of uncredited. And uh, yeah, we worked together. You know, I was again like listening to a lot of his music while I was shooting, and uh, um, you know, he's, hes I think he does a beautiful job. You know, it has like that '80s sensibility, but it's like still, I think his own his own sound. Um, there was. Do
0: you listen to music when you're on set?
2: Um, we did on this on this film. You know, I uh, we we listen to. I, I would play the actors Johnny's music just to you know try and get them into the also it's like hard to be listening to the crew talk you know when you're trying to get ready for a scene so we played some of his music.
0: Uh, And what about anybody else in the uh, the cast and crew you feel feel like really brought something that uh, maybe doesn't get mentioned in these kinds of conversations? Well like my
2: friend Spaff who drew who who was one of the animators on Secret of Nim. you know he did all this kind of like uh, you know he helped me sort of conceptualize it in the beginning and then you know, he used to work for Disney as well. He drew like, part of the Under the Sea sequence in Little Mermaid. He drew uh, um, the opening title credits of Break-In, you know? Kind of everything that, like, had some impact on me with a kid it, he was involved in. So he did lots of things on the film. Like, he built our set, you know, uh, in the in the club that you were mentioning. He, you know, we didn't have a lot of money on the movie. So, you know, we had to be, like, creative. And he, he made an entire set out of cardboard in two hours. And You'll ne- You would never know that it was so so beautiful, or um, you know everybody chipped in on this film, which was nice. You know we all kind of did each other's jobs, and uh, um, so yeah, the whole everybody is in there.
0: It's sometimes hard to to talk about a, a film when people haven't necessarily seen it yet. And I don't want to give away the the pleasures that are in the movie, uh, but you mentioned you mentioned that uh, that the, like family movies, Amblin movies were were. You know, huge inspiration for this kind of thing. But certainly, this is much darker than uh, than I remember those movies being. Uh, I'm curious what uh, just attracts you to a darker sensibility, which I think is a through line in some of the some of the roles that you
2: choose as well. Um, uh, (laughs) Well, you know, I guess. We were just trying to, you know, because this movie wasn't an idea first, and then sort of looking for a place to shoot it, and you know, it wasn't like I felt like oh, I'm going to direct now. It came from being there. It came from wanting to make something there. Um, it's 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 dark days for the people in those neighborhoods, you know, and like we could have made a documentary or we could have made a realistic film, but in a way, you know, we wanted to try and uh, tap into the. And focus on just like the emotional landscape of those characters, you know. And, um, and so we felt like we had to, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's threatening to be there for people that are there on their own, you know. And um, we wanted to kind of like uh, honor that in a way, you know. So it just felt like it had to be dark. It had to be sort of like there had to be an impending threat um, in order to sort of, um, you know, do, do justice to it.
0: I think uh, at this point, we are going to turn it over, uh, I don't even get to pick the people. I think think some people have already been...
1: Hey, um, I actually worked on the movie with you. I was an intern. Hi. Do you remember me? How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Um, So, one of my tasks was always to pack the boxes of film at the end of the day. Yeah. And um, I think it's really cool. I mean, I still shoot 35, like still photography, and I just wanted to know, like, how, um, how you got funding, first of all, for 35, because it's, like, really expensive, and then uh, why you chose to do 35.
2: Thanks for your work, again. Man. Nice to see you. Um, sorry, we have to meet like this. Um, so the 35 was, uh, you know, it's something I... I mean, I grew up watching films, so, like, my dream was to make a, a film on film. It's a... It seemed like... You know, it's no one. It's hard to do now. So I kind of I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do it, and also I was shooting on my red and getting beautiful stuff. So I just felt like maybe I'm just being romantic about film, and but then you know my my DP Benoit is just he's like film to the grave, and he was so such an advocate for it that I felt like I had an ally there. And once I had that partner, we were willing to we were able to kind of fight for it. You know and there there is some digital stuff in there right yeah it's a mix of 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 the red and um i was, I was re re-watching the GoPro. film last
0: night i was looking for it knowing that and i it was seamless to me
2: you can't really tell i mean i mean you can tell and i think well anyway i don't want to bore you there's like difference between film and digital but um you know i'm glad we did it you know on film i feel like also um film's kind of a dying thing and we were you know we were we were trying to, uh, I don't think it is dying, you know, but it feels like it's, it's, on, it's, it's on life support, you know, and it felt like the right thing to shoot this, this movie on, given the subject matter. Um, but I, I, I loved it, and I thought, I thought it had, like, um, I, I'm really glad that we fought for it, you know. But it, and in terms of, like, getting money for it, it all kind of worked out to be the same, you know. Like, the, there's, it's, they say it's more expensive, but I didn't really find that. You know, I mean, you have to be more careful about how you use it. You can't shoot it, you can't be, you know, you have to be really specific about what you shoot, but I think if you are, you can you can kind of work, work, work it. It works out to be the same.
1: Hey Ryan, since the film came out, a lot of people have been noticing that a lot of the shots are inspired by like David Lynch, Dario Argento and Terrence Malick. Are there any filmmakers in particular you're trying to emulate in a sense? And what do you think is really important in a, as a means of finding your voice as a filmmaker to stand out on your own while also emulating?
2: Um, we weren't trying to reference any other filmmakers in the movie, you know? Uh, I was drinking a lot of David Lynch coffee at the time. <laughs> that might have had a, an impact, you know? I feel like people talk in references nowadays, it's just the way that you talk about things, you know, even when you wanna get a movie made, you can't get it made unless you say it's like this meets that. Or a band comes out and they go it 's like this it 's that band it's this band, and you have to kind of make a few films before people let that go, and they stop referencing you to other people you know it's uh, it's certainly not something that we we talked about you know and and I think that would be something that 's very hard to do in in reality it's It's more like something that if you if, if you haven't made a movie you, th- you think that 's the way it works, but when you make one. You know, the environment that you're shooting in, the people that you're working with, like, those are the things that really dictate what the style becomes, you know? Like, my, my DP, Benoit, you know, he he was the biggest influence on the aesthetic of the movie, you know? But I think in terms of finding your own voice, you know, you gotta make, you have to make films to find that, you know? And, uh, you know, film is a language that you learn from other filmmakers. That's how you learn to speak it, you know? And it's, and it, you know, I always grew up listening to like, Spielberg talk about Kurosawa and how he was trying to make Kurosawa movies in the beginning and, you know, they all do that. Um, and I think that's kind of what's great about it, you know, that it is, it's like a language.
0: Hi, Ryan. How are you?
2: Good. How are uh, you doing?
0: Did you have any, as a director, any biases or sensibilities towards um, your actors since you have such a past as an actor?
2: Bi- what do you mean by biases?
0: Like, uh, if you had certain ways of working with them or understandings of them that were different than uh, you know, other directors in the ways you personally worked with them or understood their technique.
2: Right. I think I know what you mean. Well, a lot of them I had worked with before, so I kind of knew how they worked. You know, I had, I, I had such a good experience with them, I wanted to work with them again. And, I knew, I felt like I knew what they were capable of. I also felt like I knew, I was able to see a side of them off camera, you know, that I hadn't seen in, in, their, in their work, you know. So I thought I'd like to find a way to, to highlight that or give them a chance to show that side of themselves. And then there were other actors that I hadn't worked with that I didn't know what the hell to do. Like for instance, Matt Smith, you know. I, I saw, one day I saw, I heard his voice on, on the TV. It was Doctor Who. And he was doing an episode where he was he had a microphone and he was, you know, just like telling all these spaceships the way it was gonna be. And he was he was just, you know, like doing it like a boss, you know, just 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 <laughs> just, just, just you know, literally ruling the universe from a microphone and I thought I know I know as an actor that's a hard scene because I'm pretty sure those spaceships weren't there, you know. <laughs> but But my God, you know, you would never know it from his performance. And I thought, this guy's incredible. That's so hard. He's making it look so easy. I got to work with him. And then he got on set, you know, and he, you know, it was like, it was like as a first time director, having never fired a gun and then someone hands you a machine gun, you know. He just is a cruise missile and it's, he's like a, such a powerful talent that I didn't really know you know how to direct him so I decided like not really to try you know just to just to let him kinda of do his thing and I think he created a really amazing like character I've, ne- I've never seen this character in a movie so it really worked out in that case
0: I wanna sneak one in here real quick uh, kinda of bridging those, those two last questions were there any uh, were there any specific uh, tips that you learned from filmmakers that you worked with that you were able to apply on set, things that like, you know, oh, oh, I understand why such and such asked me or co- collaborated with me in this way, and you were able to use yourself.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, I guess the thing is that like the filmmakers that I've had a great experience with, kind of, they, they they treated it like a collaboration, you know, not like a like a dictatorship, you know, and I felt like that makes you want to you know give more of yourself to their project you know cuz they they're treating you like an equal you know and so i feel like that was like a good you know that was a good thing to sort of that was a good you know way to to handle it you know that every you know it's kind of like best idea wins you know and if everybody feels like their ideas are being kind of like heard and and respected then everyone's personally invested in your movie and you get like you know you, you get the best of everyone
0: Hi, so I had a question um, about the title sequence design. Um, so even just in that clip, it was really beautifully done. And I know it's really important in setting the tone of the movie,
1: but I was curious as to whose idea that was and how you guys came about um,
0: deciding on how to do that.
2: Which part? Like the, f- like the fonts or just the... Yeah, uh, well, like,
0: even just th- the fonts as well as just how it was like set up and like really eerily and everything okay. like that, yeah.
2: Um, that was just something that, you know, we made an initial trailer. Uh, so there's, I mean, I don't, I don't know how to like be, we made an initial trailer that was sort of meant to sort of give a, a broad, uh, a sense of the, the story, you know, but then it didn't necessarily capture the, the, the tone, you know, it gave you a sense of what the movie was about, but it didn't kind of, we felt like lay out how it felt. So we did this second one because we wanted to sort of show the other side of the movie, you know? And that was just something that, that I cut with my editor as opposed to the other piece, which was like more from a, a trailer house company, you know? Um, but I think they work, they work well together, you know? And in terms of font, like, it's hard because it sort of really defines your movie, you know? And you can really kind of stress out over what this, like, what every little bit means, you know? So um, at a certain point, you just have to kind of let go, but we, that's, that's on uh, fonts.com and it's and it's called Dead Man's Curve you're all welcome to use it if you like it
1: hi Hi. Um, first off congrats awesome accomplishment Um, I just wanted to ask if you had any advice for anyone who had kinda the same goals or aspirations to direct or filmmaker or anything any lessons learned that anyone here would wanna take note of I guess
2: yeah I mean you know just do it and uh, and uh, you know don't listen to the haters you know, you got to just keep going and, uh, and making your movies. And now's a great time to do it because you can, you know, and I'm not plugging Apple, but you can use your iPhone and you can make a film. You know, I just saw a film called Tangerine that was made on an iPhone. It's incredible. It's, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, there's you can the software is easy to cut, you know, with you, you. There's no real reason not to now, you know, and there's so many ways to show your film uh, online that you can really, like, if, let's say you got friends that want to be actors, you know, like as opposed to them auditioning or trying to get agents and all that stuff, like, you just make movies with them and they, you know what's great about your friends and you just give them a chance to show that and then if you're a filmmaker, you you shoot that and you, you know, you got a friend who wants to be an editor, let them cut it and it's like what John Cassavetes did but he did it in a lot, you know, it was so much harder when he did it because he had to shoot on film and cut on a movieola. And, use lights, and now it's so much easier, you know? Um, and there's there's also just for, for maybe it, it's interesting, maybe it's not, but there's a casting website called Cast It, which we used for our movie. Well, f- just for certain characters, but you don't have to have an agent to audition on this site. And I thought, that's how I found my lead character, um, Ian, on this site. He does have an agent, but he also had put this up on Cast It, and, it's just a great website because if you're a filmmaker or you want to make something, you know, you can see your movie a hundred different ways. And it's, it's from just regular people filming themselves in their home or whatever. They, maybe they make a short film out of it. But you get to see your project in a hundred different incarnations. And it helps you to understand, you know, what you're making. Because these people have given you all these, all the, all these options of ways to see it. But it's also a great way to bypass the system and having to get an agent and, and get auditions and, and all of that. So I, I would recommend that website too. If you make a
0: film. Well, that's unfortunately all the time we have left. But uh, thank you all so much for coming out. Thank you all uh, very Lost River is playing in theaters. It's on iTunes, VOD, etc. Once again, Ryan Gosling.
2: Thank you, man.